You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. It upsets me so much that there's still people that we need to convince this is a real fucking thing. <laughs> real friggin' thing. The Wire. Welcome back to The Wire. The government's proposed gang patch bill has drawn significant attention as it progresses through the legislative process. If passed, the contentious policy would ban gang patches in public spaces and provide police with more powers to disperse the congregation of gang members. Today, I chatted to Associate Professor of Law at the University of Auckland, Carrie Leonetti, about the legality, enforceability and potential discriminatory implications of this bill. Why do you think the government is so interested in this gang patch ban? So, I, I do think we have a significant problem with gang membership and gang-related crime in mm. New Zealand. From what I can tell from the public descriptions of the legislation, because the government hasn't actually revealed the legislative language yet, the bill, but from their descriptions, it appears that they're modeling the law that they're proposing here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, off a law that was passed in Western Australia two or three years ago. Um, so it seems they're just sort of following the lead of the Western Australian government. How has such a band worked out previously, both domestically and overseas? Yeah, so um, I mean, in terms of the Western Australian law, it's probably too soon to know if it has had any significant impact on gang membership or gang-related harm. I mean, as far as I know, there are no data to suggest it has. After being in place for about two years now, I think there's no reason to believe it's decreased gang membership and there's no reason to believe it's decreased gang-related crime. What it has done, at least in Western Australia, is actually lead to a series of kind of high-profile confrontations between gang leaders and members of the Australian Western Australian government. A lot of the gangs in Western Australia have actually sort of They've created things like gang insignia that actually mock the politicians who voted for the law in Western Australia. Like, there's been a kind of carnival atmosphere for some of these public protests. So the gangs have kind of showed up en masse to protest the anti-insignia part of the law, and then the government has cracked down on them for violating the anti-insignia part of the law. And it's beginning to take on, I think, a bit of a farcical quality. I mean, there have been hundreds and hundreds of arrests under the anti-insignia part of the law, but for people purposely wearing insignia to protest the anti-insignia part of the law. So not only is there no evidence that this law in Western Australia has worked to reduce gang membership or gang-related harm, it actually seems to be driving, if anything, additional like recruiting and protest activity by the gangs. And this is all part of a much older genre. I mean, I'm, I'm a, an American who grew up in the 1980s, so this stuff all started at least back in the United States with color bands. You couldn't wear red, yellow, or blue in certain parts of town. Um, because those colors were associated with street gangs. And I have never seen any evidence that any of these anti-insignia, anti-consorting, sort of dispersal-type laws affect gang membership or affect gang-related harm. Do you anticipate potential human rights challenges to this proposed ban in court? Should it go through? Yeah, I do, for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, the anti-insignia part of the law is obviously a, a restriction of people's freedom of expression. The dispersal orders and the anti-consorting orders are significant restrictions on people's freedom of movement, freedom of association. And if there were evidence that these laws were effective, if they actually had a significant impact on gang membership or gang-related crime, 
um, that might be a different conversation. But in the absence of any evidence that they're actually going to do any sort of public health good or they're going to reduce public harm, I would think there's a, there are significant human rights considerations. Police telling people they have to go home, courts telling people they can't associate with one another. And I think it's particularly a concern here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, because a lot of the gangs in Aotearoa, New Zealand tend to involve families, like brothers or fathers and sons or cousins who are part of the same gang. Mm. And so, you know, you're, you're not just talking about dispersing a bunch of young men. You're actually talking about telling fathers and sons they can't be in the same place at the same time. Or an anti-consorting order might mean that family members, even people who live together, are not allowed to, you know, have contact for seven days. And and I think there are significant human rights concerns to that. Our gangs, like gangs in most of the world, also have a really heavy ethnic component, right? I mean, most gangs have sort of a designated ethnicity to the gang. I have real concerns about the police dispersing, for instance, a young group of Maori men, of Tane Maori, on the theory that they're all members of a Maori gang, when maybe some of them aren't. I mean, I'm, I'm just worried about the sort of profile aspect of this. Mm. Um, I mean, like I said, I grew up with these sort of anti-color bands when I was a kid. But as a little white girl, nobody was ever going to arrest me or order me to go home if I went out in a red dress. I mean, nobody was ever going to think I was a blood because it's an African-American street gang and it's entirely male. Hmm. And I think we're sort of pretending that's not true. We're pretending that, that part of what goes into identifying gang members isn't just insignia, it's ethnicity. And so I get really concerned about the sort of guilt by association aspects of ordering a group of young brown men to disperse. I'm pretty sure if I put on ironic gang insignia to express my, I don't know, support of the gang's right to wear their insignia, I'm much less likely. I mean, I can't imagine they'd order me to disperse. I can't imagine I'd be subject to an anti-consorting law. So I think that's part of what makes me nervous, too, is when we go to define what constitutes gang insignia, is it going to apply the same to everyone? Or are only people who look a certain way wearing insignia associated with a gang actually going to be the target of some of these things like dispersal orders or, or charged for wearing the insignia in public? So I even think that just sort of the ethnicity aspects of this make me really nervous about how this law is going to work in practice. Because certainly in other jurisdictions, we see a sort of ethnic profiling that also goes along with gang insignia profiling. Now, the government hasn't defined insignia yet. I mean, if it's just going to be patches, like, you know, mongrel mob in the back of a leather jacket, that might be less concerning. But in most other places, it's gang hand gestures, it's tattoos. I mean, for sure in Western Australia, this has involved tattoos, including facial tattoos. And when gang members have asked the government, what am I supposed to do if I have a gang-affiliated tattoo on my face? They've basically said, wear face makeup, wear a balaclava, or stay home. And, and I think that's a really unrealistic response to what happens when people have things like tattoos that might be associated with a gang, but they might have other meanings as well. I just find it hard to believe that ethnicity is not going to become part of policing that, about whose tattoos does and doesn't count as a gang tattoo. Mm. Probably will depend very much on the ethnicity of the person with the tattoo. Considering those valid concerns, Professor, do you think that this proposed ban could ever be effectively enforced without violating human rights? I mean, it will depend on how narrowly they define gang insignia. But I also think it just it depends on enforcement. So one of the things that laws like this do is they give police and prosecutors an enormous amount of discretion. I mean, in some ways, that's the purpose, right? 
We want to give the police a tool they can invoke. If there are a bunch of gang members like roaring around the city on motorcycles and they're scaring people, we want the police to have sort of an extra tool they can use to do something about that. But when you give the police these really sweeping discretionary tools, what we tend to see in the criminal justice system is discriminatory enforcement. So, I mean, I would just predict that five years out, if you look at the ethnicity of people who have been ordered to disperse or who have been arrested for gang insignia, it's not going to be a cross-section of society. It may not even be a cross-section of gang membership. Because when the police get to sort of have these tools they can use or not use at their discretion, they tend to use them in a discriminatory way. Not necessarily on purpose, but because of just unconscious biases and sort of implicit associations and stereotypes that we carry. Like when I say gang member, everybody listening to this will get an image in their mind of what I mean, and it's not a race-neutral image. And so I just worry when the police have these sweeping tools at their disposal that what we'll see in practice is that this will, in fact, target a particular population. And again, I don't think on purpose. It's just any given officer out on patrol who invokes their dispersal powers or who arrests people for gang insignia, they're going to be driven by those subconscious stereotypes that we all carry. And I think you'll likely see discriminatory enforcement. So that's like one of the big concerns I have is five years out, are the data going to show that this was used predominantly against Maori, predominantly against Pacifica, disproportionately even to gang membership. And and I'd be surprised if it weren't just because that tends always to be what happens in the criminal justice system when you leave an enormous amount of discretion to police and prosecutors about mm. who you target or don't target with an enforcement tool. That was Associate Professor Carrie Leonetti on the government's proposed gang patch ban. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.